Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, friends of the dental business community. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Thank you for joining us today. Um, this show is brought to you by Practice Quotient, PPO negotiations and analysis. When you need professional guidance and there's a lot of money at stake, then you need the best. Call Practice Quotient. So welcome, Dr. John Muse. How are you today, sir? Thanks, Pat. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. It is a real pleasure to see you. Uh, John is a, an old friend and a legacy client of ours. And I met John probably in 2012, 2013. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. And... Um, First, I met Susie Dean. So, shout out to Susie Dean, who's Susie's an, awesome. She's an all star, and Susie's very protective of you, you know. And Susie was like, um, "I'm going to get you a lunch meeting with with Doctor Muse, um, but if anything goes bad, I am going to cut you with a scalpel." <laughs> I want you to know that. Now, she may not have said that with her words, but she definitely said it with her eyes. Very protective. Yeah. So. Um, She's awesome. So Do- Dr. John Muse is a respected oral surgeon here in Atlanta, Decatur, the Decatur section of Metro. And he's been there for quite a while. Uh, retired military veteran, very uh, respected, uh, ties to Emory, which we'll get into later. And John also speaks on a regular basis across the country uh, about balance in life and what's important. And we'll get into that a little bit. Um, I think we should probably start the show by kind of what was our origin, the two right. of us, right? So yeah. um, when I first met you, um, I, I came into your practice that was down there in, what's the name of the hospital? Is that hospital still there? Yeah, Decatur Hospital right there in downtown Decatur. Okay. And so uh, I came down there and S- Susie Dean had said, well, listen, we're having some issues. You know, we're not getting paid appropriately from the insurance companies and I got down there and I looked at the contracts and I, I was like, this is awful. Um, they're, they really took advantage of you. Right. And so I got I to know, know you and then I met you and I'm like, well, this is a retired army guy. Um, this guy could probably kick my ass. And, uh, you know, and I think that you were a little bit suspect of me, at least initially at that lunch that we had. And, I've said, well, look, here's a deal. You're not being treated fairly. And it, it wasn't, I'm being polite when I say it was unfair. I mean, you were getting burned. It made me mad. I was angry about it. And so I had to go do something about it. And the, what we were able to do in your case really was part of my purpose because it makes me happy to see you happy and that we were able to relieve some of that pressure. Um, so that's kind of how I tell the story where you were a fee for service only practice. And then in 2008, the bottom fell out of the economy and then you had to take a bunch of plans, but nobody knew what they were doing. And the insurance companies knew that you were, you know, kind of desperate. And so you got stuck. And then over a period of years, you know, you, you know, continued to not be paid equitably. I'm being polite until I got involved. Um, does that sound about right? What I get wrong? What am no, I missing? I think you're spot on. Um, got out of the army uh, in 2000 and, uh, was 
started growing my practice there in Decatur and things were going well. It was fee-for-service practice and we didn't work for the insurance companies. We worked with the insurance companies. Uh, so if patient had a bill of $2,000 and the insurance was going to pick up 1500 of it and the patient was responsible for the remaining 500 And so I was whole at the end of the day. Uh, the recession um, literally kicked our butts. Um, practice was going downhill drastically, uh, lost a lot of money. And uh, panic, and that's a great word. I think this is the word you used. Uh, we signed up for a bunch of plans, uh, put the forms in front of me, and I signed them, you know, uh, which was, sounds really stupid at the time, but uh, we needed to get people in. It's not, uh, not yeah, uncommon. Yeah, we just try to get, you know, it was more about quantity, not quality. And um, got involved with all these plans. And, um, you know, you, the only thing I would disagree with is that I, I looked at you with suspicion. Uh, I think I saw the value of what you were bringing almost immediately uh, when you kind of said, oh, John, you're getting screwed here. And I realized uh, that I needed to delegate this uh, to someone who had the expertise, the knowledge, the background, and uh, the personality to fight for me. And I think I, I think that same lunch meeting, I, was, I said to you, I said, hey, I need a lieutenant colonel out there kicking some ass for me, and I don't have time to deal with this, and you're going to be my guy. And uh, go forth and tell me what to be on, tell me what to be not on, and to help me refine this. And um, it turned out to be a huge win-win. And so not only did my income go up, but my peace of mind went up, uh, having great people work for me. That's what it's all about. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And it's been just as a side to that or a continuation that it's been a great ongoing relationship. Um, and I think after, you know, I think our immediate contract was for a year and I think I came to you and said, Hey, I want you figure out a way that I want you on my team on an annual basis. What do I have to pay you to help me modify this every year or every other year? Uh, and that went for like a couple of years, I think. And then you came to me after maybe two or three years and said, John, you don't need to pay me this year. You have no contracts coming up. You're good to go for a year. We'll step back. You're not writing me a check uh, this year. And we're going to come back and we'll reevaluate it when you need me. And I don't know if that speaks, I don't know if anything could speak higher to your integrity and the value that you bring to my practice than looking out for me. So thank you. Yeah, it's it's my pleasure. It is truly my pleasure, John. It's been great. And the, from that particular experience, we were then, you know, you introduced me to Hank over at Georgia Society of OMS. Um, Hank's an awesome guy. And then yeah, Hank is Hank's the man. Hank is the man. That is for sure. And so then we started to work with a couple of other oral surgeons and yep. then uh, Amos called. And, sure. and then Amos was like, who are you? Right. And I was like, I'm Patrick O'Rourke. Who are you? And they're like, we're Amos. Yeah. And I was like, who's Amos? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that is turned out to be a really, really good relationship of which you were the origin and the catalyst uh, for making that happen, um, you know, really on a national level. And so your story the is a case study of, in my mind, and I don't, we were not going to spend the whole show talking about our business, but fee for service only, panic, too many plans, lose, like, is this is happening right now. So this is why it's important. There's a lot of fee for service only practices that are feeling pressure that they need to take plans. Um, there's also a quasi fee for service only movement where people are getting off of plans. You also need to be careful with that. Um, and so, understanding the contracts is like this is complex. It it, it really is huge. It's, it's beyond me. 
Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. And, and you're dealing with folks that this is what they get paid to do. They're professionals. And yeah. it doesn't make them bad people, by the way. Um, it just makes them good at their job. They go to church and have families just like the rest of us. Um, but that's really what they're focused on is bringing their cost of care down or what I've heard lately is best pricing. That was pretty clever marketing department, whoever came up and with that. And best pricing can frequently mean 50 cents on the dollar. 50 cents on the uh, dollar. So another thing that's kind of happened, and this is anecdotal only to, for my experience, and so our clients tend to be more established. And Correct. so I think that the practices that were struggling, struggling pre-COVID are probably struggling now, right? Um, our clients, because our job is to convince insurance companies to pay them more than everyone else, which I know it sounds crazy. They're just not in a hurry to do. Imagine that. Not crazy. Um, so most of our clients are established. And for some nutty reason, they were they wanted, they wanted were willing to take 50 cents on the dollar before. Which, but they probably didn't know, like I was. You know, they, you don't really know what you're getting. You know, you're just submitting the forms at the end of the day, and you don't know whether it's 50 cents or 75 cents. You just know that it's something. Mm-hmm. And then it takes someone like you and your company to divide, dive into it and say, hey, do you know that, because that's what you did for me, do you know that you're making this on this patient or on this contract? I go, no, I didn't know it was so bad. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of education that's got to take place there. It, right. And even when we went and said, you're making 50 cents on the dollar or less, and then I would go, well, what's your overhead? You know, oh, yeah. overhead's typically yeah. 60, 65%, right? Well, yeah, the national average, I think, for a well-run oral surgery practice is somewhere between 65 and 70, mm-hmm. you know? So when you tell people, they say, really, your overhead's 70 cents on the dollar? Yeah, that's not that's not a badly run oral surgery practice. If you're paying your people well. Well, yeah, you got to pay and people are valuable. When you have a good practice, you got to have good people. You know, they're the most valuable asset. You know, you're paying people. If you're paying your people 50 cents on the dollar, you probably don't have good people working for you who are dedicated. So right. you got to take care of your people. But hey, once again, I'm not a finance guy, but if you're overhead 70 cents on the dollar and you're getting reimbursed 50 to 60 cents on the dollar, you're better off in your office drinking a cup of coffee <laughs> as opposed to taking on all the liability because what we do is dangerous. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not a. We're, we're very well paid ditch, digger, ditch diggers at times. We work by the hour, but you got to control your risk. And it's all about risk and reward. Ditch diggers. Yeah. That's one thing I've, I'll never forget that you uh, have brought up to me. I'll, I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Um, but do you feel like there's, there's always risk in an oral surgery practice that when somebody comes in, you're putting them to sleep. Right. So there's risk, there's liability. That's why you have malpractice, et cetera. Do you feel like, I mean, this is kind of a dumb question, I guess, but there's obviously more risk now, right, with COVID. Well, sure, there's there's more risk with COVID. There's no doubt about it, but we're used to controlling that risk. Um, The thing with risk for me is that, you know, it's risk and reward. So pre-recession back in 2006, 2007, whatever that was, you know, um, you have a degree of risk associated with any job or what you do, and you're willing to accept that as long as you feel like you're being compensated for that risk. Mm -hmm. But if the risk remains the same and the reward is going down, then you kind of start questioning your sanity a little bit. And so that's what's happened in my practice. Um, You know, you've certainly helped tremendously with it. But day to day, the risk stays the same, and then day in, day out, year in, year, your reward goes down, it starts to wear on you, mm. and it wears on you. What we do is very physical. I don't know that a lot of non-dental people realize that, 
But dentistry, oral surgery is a physical job. It's tough on your neck and your shoulders, and it's emotionally tough. And you're willing to accept that as long as you feel like you're being rewarded. You know, no one's going to do something mm-hmm. that's risk-free, but sure. you've got to be compensated for that. Mm-hmm. And so when you have someone like you in my, in my court, then you feel like, okay, you know, ideal perfect world, I'd like to be fee-for-service. Well, that's not the case. But now I'm on these plans, or a lot less plans than I used to be, thanks to you. But at least I know that when I the, I'm getting compensated for that, and I'm not trying to put a dollar sick you know sign on anybody's forehead. That's a patient. It's patients first. It's, that's what we do. We're healthcare providers. It's their well being first. But at the end of the day, we also have to take care of our staff. Um, my landlord likes to be paid. Uh, I have kids <laughs> to take care of. Imagine that. So we it is a business, right? And, and, right. And uh, the less that we can decrease, at least in my personal opinion, the 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 business load on my mind, then I can focus on delivering healthcare. And that's why I went into it, you know, mm-hmm. right? I went into this to take care of people. Yeah. You know? I, I don't think that a lot of people realize the physical and mental uh, toll. I, I really, I, I really don't uh, to lay people out there, uh, myself included. You know, I've learned a lot over the years. Like now I know, you know, the difference between a coronectomy and a 7240 and why coronectomy sure. should get re- reimbursed higher. I had a there you go. client give me a dissertation on go. that. Um, but, but certainly the public doesn't realize that. So just to talk round numbers, let's say they, the public owes the doctor 500 bucks. Well, they th- assume that $500 is going in the doctor's pocket, and he's going to go out and buy a new Porsche 911 at, using that money. I know it's not a perfect example, but, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't go to the doctor. Right. You know, especially if that $500 is really being reversed by the insurance company at 70 cents on the five. You know, you can, it gets whittled down real quickly. So the yeah. one so thing, anyway, yeah, no, not, not, I, not, think, I, I don't like making healthcare a financial discussion, but to survive and have good people go into healthcare, and that's a whole nother genre discussion because you want the smartest and the brightest going in to take care of your family, and if they're deciding not to go into medicine or surgery or dentistry, well, who's going to be taking care of our kids? Amen. One of my theories about politics is that the reason that we don't have any really good people in politics is because it doesn't pay well. So. I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> I, can I touch something else, though? Uh, sure. Yeah. I do want to circle back what you uh, said about Hank Holderfield. Uh-huh. Uh, Hank Holderfield, a lifelong friend of mine. I've known him since I was 12 years old. Uh, Hank runs multiple oral surgery societies, uh, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, and runs the Southeastern Society of Oral Maxillofacial Surgeons. So he's very, very well connected in that environment. And he's very well connected with our national organization, mm-hmm. AMOS, you know, American Association of Oral Medicine Facial Surgeons. And so Hank's job is to look out for us, the individual oral surgeons. He's very protective of us. Um, and he's also known on a national basis among, you know, the, those, uh, those well people respected. who, oh, highly, highly respected. So for Hank, where I'm going with this is so for Hank to see the value of what you did and to bring you in to his fold so that you can be exposed to his clients is a huge, huge compliment. And so, uh, you know, you kind of, you were able to ascend that ladder, one, because of your personality, your your expertise, and your reputation, and Hank was a big facilitator of that. But it, the only reason he did that, he doesn't do that for any just Yahoo, is what I'm trying to say. I could yeah, I could, so, I picked up on that. Yeah. And so, yeah. thank you to you, and thank you to Hank. Hank, hopefully you listen to the show. Um, we'll maybe, send him a tape if he's not. And maybe we'll put you uh, on the show. Maybe you, you should come, come in here. One he day. would give a great perspective to what's going on in the healthcare, especially 
the dental region uh, or specifically the oral maxillofacial surgeon region. And Hank also re- represents cardiologists and other healthcare groups. Uh, really? So All right, he would well, be a great, great uh, guest on your show. Hank, standing invitation. So I'm going to switch gears back to where I'm going to combine the two things with the clients that during the shutdown, they had more time. Okay. And some clients don't always go hands off like what you had described, what you did. You said, Pat, I'm going to do whatever it is you you say and trust that it's going to be fine. Excuse me. And I wish more clients did that. Um, a lot of times they fret, right? And so, and I understand, and every there's no one-size-fits-all solution, but generally speaking, you know, you can't take 45 cents on the dollar. That's Groupon territory. And we had clients that back in January, I'm like, listen, you got to, you're just, that's just not profitable. You need to get out. And they're, they're like, oh, we're going to lose patients. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. how much? How many? And they're like, I don't know. Like, well, I don't know either. You know, do you think you're going to lose half? And they're like, oh, that'd be a disaster. Oh, that'd be terrible, awful. And I'm like, no, it wouldn't. No, if, it even wouldn't. if you lost half, you would make the same amount of money. And so they didn't pick up what I was putting down really before. But now with that they're coming back, they open back up. Now they're slammed. Okay, now they're busy, schedule's full. And now there's a perception at least that, you know, that they are putting – not just their relative, you know, their usual liability, but also their personal safety now, um, their family safety, their staff safety, and they're just not willing to do that anymore. And so I've seen a material shift, not in all of our clients, but certainly more than half, um, that they're not willing to do that anymore. And earlier today, pre-show, you had made a really good point about the types of patients, Right. That when you're on all the plans and you're afraid that you might lose a patient, that there are certain patient types that kind of come in that are picking somebody on their directory and they may come in and those are the ones that want the cheapest. They may not be accepting of your recommendations that I kind of pick up on that. Right. Um, And or are the most likely to sue you. Right. You know, you've got to take care of everybody that you can. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself. You've got to take care of your family. You've got to take care of your staff. Um, and for those people who are on those plans and you're making 50 cents on the dollar, I know we're kind of repeating ourselves here a little bit. You know, you're, 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 you're accepting all the liability without any of the reward. And so you're really better off not treating that patient under in that financial reimbursement scenario. Um, I, don't, I, I don't want to say you. That was you, good dancing. I like well, that. You, don't want to, you, know, you don't want to say, well, we're turning people away because we don't. I mean, our no, job, you can and, still and, see and, them. And, it's and, up to and, them. It's their decision. Right, you know, because you a PPO by definition, well, they can still go out of network. Well, you don't go into Kroger and get a gallon of milk and they give it to you for 50 cents when you're at the counter or 50 cents on the dollar. You know, and so healthcare, we're good, we can kind of get off the rails here a little bit because there is a, a segment of the population that think healthcare should be for free. Uh, and I'm all for that as long as you want to train me for free and uh, run my practice for free. So I think one of the struggles with healthcare today is that we are training our physicians, surgeons, dentists in a capitalistic environment. Dental school is not free. Oral surgery training is not free. It's not? No, no. You pay 
with blood for that. Um, nonetheless, so we're educated in a capitalistic environment, but then we're expected to practice in a socialistic system. And I'm very familiar with both sides of that. I work for the biggest social socialistic healthcare delivery system in the world called the United States Army. And that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Right. You know, but, right. okay, but the, the Army is going to take care of your salary and your overhead and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But you cannot expect our doctors to be educated in a capitalistic society and then practice in a socialistic one. Pick one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that we're getting way off the rails on that. Yeah. So, well, sorry. you know, the great thing about this show is that there are no rails. That's good. Um, that's that's good. why I created my own show. And you don't. So I can I, talk about whatever I want. And you don't like put my home address because I really don't like I don't want any death threats. You know, um, if I say something. John Muse is well armed and he was in the army. So Thank I don't recommend that. that. Thank that. you for that. No, it could go off the rails there too, Pat. All right. <laughs> Rat-a-tat-tat. <laughs> That's not a BB gun, baby. Oh, um, so I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to re- bring yeah. it back in. Okay, yeah. but because I do hear this a lot mm-hmm. out there, I'm very entrenched in healthcare and have right. been my entire mm-hmm. adult life. Um, when people say, "Hey, medic," like number one, free mm-hmm. and anything should never go together, and certainly not healthcare. There is no free healthcare. And then when people are like, "We should have one healthcare system," you know, single payer, and I'm like, "Buddy." You already got single payer right now, okay? All of us, me, you, everybody at Business Radio X pays into it on payroll and FICA taxes. It's called Medicare, okay? And Medicare is there right now. And Medicare covers how many? So between in the entire 100%, let's say here's the population, um, and those on the radio can't see me, but I'm holding up my hands, all right? So let's say it's about a foot long. And so here's a here's the population of the the country. How many people are covered under Medicare or Medicaid? All right. So let's call it ten mm, percent. Let's ten yeah, percent maybe. All right. How much of the federal budget right now is spent on Medicare? Not Medicaid, Medicare. Well, half half of Medicaid. Thirty percent. So if you multiply ten by ten, and you multiply 30 by 10, what happens? So then you don't have enough money for education, tanks, roads, everything else, parks that you care about. So there is single payer and it's going broke. And so we already have it. And so trusting Uncle Sam with something more when they're already screwing up, this is like, it's like hiring a financial advisor who lost all of your money. And they said, Hey, you know what? If you just give me some more money, I I won't, I won't go to the horse track. What? Are you well, crazy? <laughs> well, coming, <clears throat> you know, coming to your point about a financial advisor, I think um, for us as practitioners, or at least, you know, somebody really smarter than I am once said to me, he said that you're, uh, and he was very, very successful. Uh, he was um, actually not a surgeon, but it's uh, in the finance business. I always thought he was a big role model in my life. And, uh, uh, I always very looked up to him, and I thought he was an AA plus 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 smart kind of guy. And he sat me down one day, and he goes, "John, you know I'm really not that smart." He goes, "I'm probably B to B plus smart, but I got a great work ethic." And he goes, "I think one of the keys to my success is that I try to surround myself by A plus people." So I think I'm the same way. I'm a B B plus kind of guy. I'll outwork anybody on this earth, but I think it helps and is instrumental. It's essential to surround yourself by A-plus people. Amen. Be, be that your staff, be that your accountant, 
the lawyer, uh, uh, practice quotient. All right. So I would no more negotiate the lease of my office space on my own. I don't understand those contracts. I, I, I would no more. I wouldn't go do that either. I didn't negotiate for a living. Own. Right. And so, <laughs> so for someone to think that they can negotiate with insurance companies to get the best rate on their own, I think, uh, I think they're smoking dope. Sorry. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> That's why, legal in I mean, some states. Yeah. Huh? yeah. So why, why would you do that? Uh, especially when the reward is going to be significant. Uh, so you can go negotiate your lease, but you don't know whether you're going to get the right deal or not. In subparagraph 59C, you could say, you know, we own you. You don't know what you're signing unless you're going to spend hours doing that. And so for me to get on the phone and negotiate a rate with an insurance company, I'm not going to have the patience to sit there and listen to get to the right person. If I can get to the right person, I don't know the vocabulary to use. I don't know when to push. I don't know when to accept. I don't know when to leave. And so to engage with someone like you who has worked on the other side, it's kind of like, mm. okay, you know, you, you know these people. And mm. some of them you know personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure. so you know what to say, and you know what's fair, and you know what's not fair, and you know when to say, hey, we're we're out of here, or we're staying, or John, this is the best we can do, you're good. And so I don't know why someone just wouldn't immediately sign up for that, you know, and, and, and especially when it what, what's the number, Pat? I mean, you know my practice better than I do in terms of we're not talking thousands of dollars here. We're talking tens of tens of thousands of dollars mm, dear, dear. that you have brought to my bottom line. Six figures. Right. Yeah. Right. Six. That's six. Yeah. 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 Um, so that, that's huge. Now, that's huge. I'm not setting that expectation for everybody, you know, but certainly if you ever hear me say this is a slam dunk or you're getting burned, um, you should move forward immediately. Um you know, there's been a lot of other firms that pop up too, and they mm-hmm. do things cheap. And you know, they're like, I, sometimes I get calls and they're like, "Well, somebody called and they said that they'll do it for X amount of money and they'll get it done in six months." And I'm like, "Really? Yeah. You know, you want it done cheap and dirty? Well, we're not the right people. Yeah. You're you gonna know. get what you pay for, right?" And I've also heard you say to clients, "Say, yeah, I've, I've evaluated, done the initial consultation, and you know, you're good. You don't really need me." Yeah, I you know, that. I say, that, say that a lot. You know, and. <clears throat> I do the same thing for my patients. Say, no, you, you know, you don't need me. You're fine. You mm-hmm. know? So one thing that I want to <clears throat> talk about today is your experience with Emory. The Emory story to me is very compelling and how that you became a national speaker on your own now where you are speaking to groups about Balance and work-life balance. And yeah. and keep in mind that right now, Amos, the Amos show, the annual show is going on, the annual event. It's virtual, all right? So technically, I'm actually in the booth right this second. So, oh, look at you. Uh, look at I'm yeah. multitasking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we'll probably send, you know, this out, and this could be heard by several of our clients and prospective clients and really yeah. oral surgeons so. over there. And so – it's not just us though, the, the message that you deliver about work-life balance. So, um, can you, in your own words, just describe <laughs> what, what happened, um, back then and your experience with Emory and why that's led you to preach the gospel that you preach today? Well, sure. I will. One, thank you for asking. Uh, um, the presentation is called Stress, Life Balance, and Second Chances. Um, it's usually an hour and, and to tell the story, so I'm going to try to tell it in two or three minutes. Well, uh, you want to bring them, you, yeah, you no, need so, to bring them on, hey, right? Hey, so hey, just, hey, just hey. give us like the, yep. the trailer. Yep. 
the trailer is. I uh, had a massive heart attack in my office on a Wednesday afternoon during lunch. Um, began running the preliminary aspects of an ACLS code on myself with my nurse. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, kept myself alive, uh, basically, until we got to Emory Hospital. Uh, the paramedics uh, showed up to take me, and they're not used to, I don't think, a surgeon running their own code and telling them what to do, but I was telling them <laughs> what to do. They didn't like that a whole lot at first, or so that I'm told. And um, they wanted to take me to a hospital that was closer by, and I said, no, we're going to Emory. And they said, uh, that's, a little bit, that's five minutes further away. And I said, I'm willing to take the chance. And they go, we're going to this other hospital. I said, you take me to Emory. If you don't, I'm going to get off this gurney, and my nurse will drive me to Emory. So I won that argument. Uh, got to Emory. <laughs> um, I said to my nurse in the ambulance, because she wouldn't leave my side, I said, hey, I said, you tell my kids I love them. I was pretty sure I wasn't going to make it. I mean, it was bad. It was mm. really bad. And she looked at me, and she said, you're not dying on me today, you son of a bitch. You know, that was a, pretty much a direct quote. She's great. So I say that to say we hit the Emory at the ER and had stabilized. And I was looking okay, and wasn't a whole lot going on at that time. You know, they just kind of brought me in on the gurney, and my nurse Ann was saying, you got to put him in the room. you got to put him in the room. Something's going gonna to go bad. And uh, sure enough, turned around, my eyes rolled up in the back of my head, and I went into V-fib, which is a non-perfusing cardiac arrhythmia. That's pretty much. <clears throat> Sorry, that sounds that's, bad. Uh, that's that's bad. Uh, and so they uh, started running an ACLS on me. Uh, and for those of you who've been involved in those codes, it's pretty much controlled chaos. It's this can be kind of nasty. You know, tubes everywhere, shocking, uh, shocking you multiple times. And uh, when you're running a code, it doesn't get exponentially better with time. You know nor with the degree of shots. Usually, as a general rule, you've shot somebody about the third time. You've kind of gone through the list of meds once or twice. It's pretty much over. Um, and my nurse, Ann, was sitting there watching all this. So you can imagine it's pretty traumatic for her and my staff. Uh, the young uh, resident uh, emergency room doc uh, uh, didn't give up on me. Uh, she calls the cath lab and says, I think we've got somebody for a cardiac uh, reperfusion, catheterization. And the interventionalist uh, cardiologist says, does he have a pulse and a blood pressure? And she goes, no. And he goes, don't send him up unless you get one. She kept working on me, and after the seventh shot, they got a pulse and a blood pressure, sent me up to the cath lab. They almost lost me twice more up there. Long story short, after five days, I walked out of Emory Hospital with uh, no brain damage, which is unusual because they did CPR on me for at least 45 minutes. Well, I like to say there is brain damage, but that existed pre-event, <laughs> if you will. Uh, uh, and uh, I think I have a 0.5% muscular damage to uh, some tissue in my heart, and that's unheard of. So I'm a big, big fan of Emory University. If I had a billion dollars, I would uh, build them a new wing or whatever they wanted. So the people over there are amazing. And so I came out of that event. I missed... Oh, a week of work, uh, and people said, well, why would you go back to work so soon? I said, there's one name on the door. It's my name. If I don't go to work, people don't get paid. People don't go to college. Payroll doesn't get uh, handled. But it really kind of uh, jolted me. Well, that's the first sure. time I've used that word, but pun intended, I guess, uh, and really made me start looking a lot closer at my life. It's a big wake-up call. And uh, a year or two went by, and I kind of someone said, "Hey, tell your story." And I said, "I don't do that kind of stuff. It's pretty personal." And the presentation gets real personal, much more so than I'm sharing today. And then I realized people really enjoyed the message, and they got a lot out of it. And I got a lot of positive feedback from that. And so I've given that message to the various study clubs. I've taught nationally on it, and uh, 
I enjoy doing that probably more than I do enjoy oral surgery because I feel like I'm touching a lot of people at one time. And it's fun. Uh, and uh, when you can kind of tell that with a personal twist, and I kind of go into things uh, that I've changed uh, since then, and they've been uh, not insignificant, uh, sure. re- reduction of staff, uh, divorce. Uh, uh, I quit doing a lot of my study club and extracurricular activities at St. Colterfield will tell you. I was overcommitted to multiple organizations and running around with my hair on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every night after work to go to boys clubs or oral surgery meetings or Northern District Society meetings. And so I really kind of said, hey, life's a little too short to go down this road again. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's probably in a nutshell. So life is short. So I have my golf balls that say uh, life is short, play hard. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I'm good at golf. It's just that life is short, play hard. You know? Amen. And take care of the people that you love and so, associate with good people. Let's give a plug to that wonderful country club that you're a member of down there. Oh, yeah. Druid Hills is a great place. Good friends down there. Druid Hills Country yeah. Club, yeah. also a terrific place to play golf. Yeah. Um, but you can't get in there, I guess, without an invitation. They don't let me in unless I use your name. And you have to be there. Yeah, I did notice that my club bill was significantly higher last month. So, and they <laughs> described some Yahoo in there about that sounded like you. Uh, uh, so we will we'll settle up on that after the show. I can neither. Uh, <laughs> I cannot. I, no comment. Yeah, no comment. So, um, John, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks and for having me, Pat. It's been a pleasure. It's been my pleasure. And then you know, for everybody at Amos. Remember work-life balance. Um, do you? When we went up to Virginia, to the Virginia Society of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgeons, um, shout out to Deepa Patel, uh, Laura Givens, Frank Gay, um, Tim Goki, everybody up there, and uh, Nova, Commonwealth, Sean, Sean Ryan. Um, thank you for. Well, I mean, a little shout out to you. I love the people in Virginia. Yeah, so nice there, there, there. there's there's certain group, there's certain states mm-hmm. where they people work collectively together, and I think that that's one of them. You know? yeah. um, and so, what do you think is the, the the biggest concern that folks are worried about in in your profession right now? Oh, wow! The <clears throat> excuse me. I think the biggest concern is just adapting to the new norm, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, the post-COVID new Norman, whatever that environment uh, may be. And it seems to change on a daily basis regarding regulations and what's required, what's needed, what's not needed. Uh, there's a lot of uh, unproven science that's driving a lot of decisions out there that are very politically uh, motivated, in my humble opinion, and not scientifically based. Uh, but uh, adapting to that uh, new patient flow. And expectations, you know, obviously keeping the patient safe, keeping ourselves safe, and keeping uh, our family safe, right, mm-hmm. and our staff safe. Um, so just figuring that out is a big, big concern for everybody. Uh, and um, just to use myself as an example, and you mentioned like, okay, everybody's up and running again. Well, you know, we were shut down for two months. Uh, that number would be zero on the income side of the house. Uh, and again, I'm not a finance guy, but when the income is zero and the outgo is still the same, it's significant. Zero is not good. Right. So we got back up and running, but we're, you know, just full disclosure, we're probably 80% month on month compared to year to year. And so my brother said, well, John, that's great. You're back up and running. You're at 80%. Yeah, that's good. But if you've got the preceding two months at zero, then the following six to 12 months don't need to be at 80. I'm pretty sure they need to be somewhere around 120. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're back up and running, and I think most practices around the country are. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, we still got to, you know, we're still paying for getting shut down, you know. And you say, oh, you got PPP money. Yeah, well, that helped, but it only kind of slowed the bleeding down. It didn't allow us to be whole, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that Thank- new balance to the practice uh, is is going to be is, is it's a challenge, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I think most surgeons and uh, healthcare providers, you know, we're thankful to have a job. We have, and there's a lot of people in this country that don't. My staff is thankful to have a job. Uh, we're alive and vertical, right? Uh, nobody's dying here, you know, and, and at least as far as the virus goes, and in terms of my practice and everything. But I've, what I meant by that, just in terms of life, you know, it's good to be alive. And so I think I would encourage people to say. Okay, we've got some challenges ahead of us, but uh, we still have people that love us and uh, we can take care of and kind of simplify life a little bit and maybe try to turn something bad into a good message mm-hmm. and kind of smell the roses a little bit. And of course, I'm preaching to myself as, as much as I am. I don't preach to people. I don't, I'm not smart enough to preach to anybody. So I'm looking in the mirror when I say things like that. It's like, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It may be a new norm, but it's going to be okay. I've seen in my practice this post-COVID thing, patients are so appreciative of us just being there, you right. know, because, you know, honestly, the patient's not going to get the virus from me or one of my staff members. We're the ones that are at risk. Right. Big you, time. You guys are in big time. You guys have been We're set up in a sterile environment to handle no, yeah. anything, AIDS. We're fine. Like, we're going to be fine. Infectious diseases, all of that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, and one of my buddies uh, who is not in the healthcare industry goes, well, I guess y'all, are, y'all have to wear masks, uh, you know, a lot now. And I go, yeah, it's real interesting. Uh, we started wearing masks, and uh, last week we actually started sterilizing our instruments too, you know, being <laughs> smart ass. You know, it's like, come on, come on, come on. We can handle this. It's going to be okay. And I think we've proven to the public uh, that we can treat people in a safe environment, uh, that they're going to be well taken care of. And I think we proved to um, the government of the powers of bees that we are an essential service. People need us. And uh, and um, we're not going to be shut down again. I'm not going to be shut down again. I'm here to take care of people, to include my staff and my family. And uh, it's going to be a new norm. You know, the the, sure. the, the flow of, of money is going to be different. Our obligations are going to be different. Our overhead is going to go up. And with that, then our, you know, to circle back around spontaneously, our, our reimbursement needs to at least stay the same. Because right. our cost of delivering care is going up. Right. And, and so it can't be going down. Uh, do, you hear, do you hear that, my friends in yeah, the industry? cannot be going I down. I will be calling. Low enough. Call Pat. Yeah. Well, I wasn't expecting that to tie into a shout-out to you, but there All you right. go. Well, I think we can probably end on that because we need to thank our sponsor, Practice Quotient. Yeah. Uh, PPO negotiations and analysis, a contract review, and strategic guidance. Um, special thanks to Practice Quotient. Um, to my partner, Scott Marquat. Nikki and everybody on the PQ team, Melissa, Brianna, Brittany and Tony, Donald and Jordan. Thank you from Patrick. Um, thank you to John Ray and thank you to Business Radio X. This is the first Absolutely. time actually that we have done this show live. We are in person down in Atlanta, Georgia with my friend, Dr. John Muse. John, if somebody wanted to reach you, I know not to go to your house, but... <laughs> How would they? How would they reach you if they want you to speak at? Um, you know, I know you were going to go at the Hinman, um, but that that got postponed or canceled yeah, this year. Speaking there next year, yeah. So how 
how would folks find you? Oh, it's easy, right? Just Google John Muse Decatur, John Muse Oral Surgery Decatur. Gotcha. You know, something like that. Yeah, you'll find me. All right. So Dr. John Muse of Georgia Oral Surgery, thank you so much. And thank you, all of you listeners. Um, if you enjoyed the content, please hit the five-star rating uh, on it and share this with a friend. If you did not like this content, then you can email John Ray at jraybusinessradiox. All right. Thank you so much for listening. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Until next time. Mm-hmm.